When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Mike, you're at All-Star Weekend. The, um, I guess I'll ask you where you want to start here, whether it's Anthony Davis's uh, rough attempt at damage control or Kyrie Irving's constant flirting with uh, Kevin, Kevin Durant. What's, uh, what direction do you want to go in here? Well, I think, uh, well, first of all, we should say that Rich is not with us for this episode, no. which is uh, very sad, very sad. We're not really exactly sure where Rich is, but... Um, but we're going to get, get, get a statement, I believe. Yeah, he should be hopefully filing some sort of input at, at some point. But to answer your question, I, I, I think we got to start with AD just because, I mean, that's the guy, that's the most pivotal name in the NBA right now. So, uh, I mean, I, I was at All-Star Weekend in Charlotte and um, I was in the room when he made the uh, the statement about how uh, this, he never said that the Celtics were not on his list, and then he kind of backtracked, I guess you could say, by saying that 29 teams are on the list, which obviously is a <laughs> lie. <laughs> um, Plus or minus, like, 25. Yeah, I mean, his thing that he just wants to go to a team that's in a position to win, he wants to win above everything else. If that were the case, then I'll, like... I mean, that's the Celtics. The Celtics have to be on that list then, um, almost regardless of, of anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess what were your thoughts when you when you first saw that? What was uh, – I, I, you were in Puerto Rico or were you in Boston for that? I was I was abroad. Okay. I was thinking, okay, All-Star Weekend, trade deadline's over. Can, like, nothing's going to happen. On the NBA spot. never sleeps, though. NBA okay. never sleeps. Example, 124. Mm-hmm. Um and, but yeah, so I mean, I went and listened to it, and it's and then listened to the NBA TV comments that were made like you know an hour later. That kind of just like made it very generic. Mm-hmm. And so I had three kind of thoughts from this. Like one is that this was in, entirely predictable once he wasn't dealt. Two, that it's also it's kind of being done. Him saying this is also kind of being done as like a favor to the Pelicans, maybe to try to get, you know, back into their, not not even back into their good graces, but just like, you know, if he, by saying this, he's hopefully going to widen the the bidding amongst teams. That's what the Pelicans would hope here. Yeah. And so the Pelicans might be just sending a message to him like, hey, you know, if you want to go to where you want to go, you better make it so sound like you can, you'll be willing to go anywhere. So that way we can squeeze, you know, the most out of one of these teams. Because otherwise, you know, screw you. 
the Lakers aren't going to ante up enough. The Celtics aren't going to ante up enough. Wait, how much we want. And then, you know, we're going to hate you and ship you off somewhere you don't want to go. Yeah, I think his his decision to basically leave the arena on uh, Thursday night is right. basically severing ties with the, with the the Pelicans organization in terms of uh, uh, being cordial. So I don't I don't I don't know if that's I don't know what the communication is between the, the organization and his him and his representatives at this point. Obviously, Dell Demps was fired, which was just I mean it's five years too late. I guess like, <laughs> I don't. That was a very weirdly timed move. Um, and we can get into that, too, because obviously whoever is hired to replace Dell Demps will be doing the negotiations for the AD trade, assuming that he is dealt this summer. But what was your third uh, takeaway? Yeah, I mean, my, like, I, my, my not a takeaway, but just being like, just going to Dell Demps firing, just like, how does, is this a good thing or a bad thing for the Celtics? And is this a good thing or a bad thing when it comes to, like, how are the the Pelicans are going to play this? In terms yeah, of what their what their goal is? Yeah, I mean it's it, we obviously don't know who's going to uh, get hired and replace uh, replace Demps. I mean, it, it, all, reports early reports were that they were very interested. I mean, Danny Ferry is the interim uh, GM over there, and we'll see how long he he stays in that position. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's like we, we still aren't entirely sure what exactly the Pelican organization wants in return for AD and how, you know, uh, Gail Benson was very excited, I know, uh, by the playoff run last season. And she really enjoyed that atmosphere in New Orleans. And she attended every game and she traveled to Golden State with the team. And uh, so she was pretty pumped about that, having not really had any experience or. Or, or any relationship with basketball before that. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's it's unlikely, or, or maybe not unlikely, but it's it'll be interesting to see if they go for a total teardown, which, you know, them not trading Drew Holiday before the deadline suggests that that's not what they want to do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what type of package they want. And obviously they turned down a, a crap ton from the Los Angeles Lakers and they would not even engage with the Lakers before. Uh, that didn't really seem necessarily like that was Dell Demps' doing though. So I don't know what, how big of a, uh, of a move this is for them in terms of you know, it's really difficult to say how it impacts a team like the Celtics or the Knicks or whoever else is trying to trade for AD this summer. Right. And so, I mean, a lot of it, I would honestly think that this is a good thing from no matter what for the Celtics, just from a standpoint that like they do, no matter how you slice it, they still have the most assets and they can, they have the most assets no matter what direction you're looking for. Like if you want a bunch of draft picks and young guys, they can do that. If you want to, you know, have a young, you know, like guys that are more tended to helping now, i.e. like, I mean, Tatum, obviously it can be both. Jalen can be both. Smart, I would say is like, you know, clearly in the win now factor, but they also, you know, you still have, you also have, if they want a star, they want like a, a bigger name, like, you know, Hayward is there. 
mm-hmm. and Horford probably won't be available like to go down there because he'd have to opt in. But they they can they can check a lot of boxes if you will. So no matter what the ultimatum is from like up top, like getting someone smart in there to kind of run things and like not taking a a box of crap just like which is end up being like six late first round picks from another team like you would think that whoever gets the job is not gonna you know is gonna be a step up from Dempsey in that department what if the Lakers don't make the playoffs and have like the 10th pick <laughs> I mean that's still not gonna look as good as the the Memphis pick that is true that is true um yeah, this is uh, so. I, I guess like it, when it comes to the Celtics' pursuit of AD, do you think the Celtics would? How how much do you think the Celtics would give up in the event that Kyrie leaves? Let's say for the Knicks, if he announces it, whenever do you think the Celtics would abandon their pursuit of AD, or would they still? proceed with negotiations as if nothing has changed and that getting him and convincing him to stay and then figuring it out later uh yeah i guess later they would have like a year to figure it out um (laughs) and then figuring it out you know trying their best to uh, you know keep the top five star um you know show him what a real organization looks like Um, and just what their culture is all about uh, in a year's time and and be confident enough in their ability to resign them. Do you think that that would be the strategy if Kyrie leaves or how would they approach it? I would think like if Kyrie leaves, you're taking Tatum off the table as far as like considering him in an offer because I just think the, you like Tatum obviously needs to be your centerpiece long-term. Like, you need him to win to to keep Davis around in the first place, I feel like, if you get him. Because you need him to fully contend. So, whereas if you Kyrie is staying, then you can... Obviously, they would want to keep Tatum, but you can at least make the case that, like, all right, Tatum can be our trump card here. He'll let us keep including him lets us keep more supporting pieces as well, which helps us in the interim and makes us, you know, the the contender we need to be right now um, without doing too much damage to, you know, the players five through nine in the roster. Right. I'm dialing up the trade machine right now because uh, I just want to see you know, what type of deals are are realistic in the event that Kyrie were to leave. And then, you know, I I just think that the Celtics are still going to be extremely aggressive no matter what in getting AD. And I I agree with you. I do think that, I do think that you, you probably take Tatum off the table in that case, but is there still enough there to, you know, you have a ton of really juicy assets. Um, is there enough there to, to make the deal and, and make uh, present a more impressive offer than what the Lakers can give, or I guess any other team that's out there. Um, I mean, probably the only way it works 
in some form I would think is like you would you would offer Jalen the Sacramento pick, the Memphis pick, and then you probably move like someone like Horford to a third team and get whatever pieces you are, assuming that the Pelicans don't want him and slash assuming that he won't go there. Um like get whatever you get for him, throw that at the Pelicans too, and then that's like that's one realistic mechanism to like I mean they have Yeah, they have Robert Williams. Right, and then all that stuff you can always throw into. What if what if Gordon Hayward just looks incredible in the playoffs? I mean, I'm looking so I'm looking at his stats for for February right now and I know he's turned a corner here or there before that's lasted for one or two games, but he's got the highest net rating on the team in February by a mile. He's the offensive rating when he's on the floor, mm-hmm. 124 points per possession, per 100 possessions, I should say. Um, 15.3 net rating. Like, he is, like, we haven't talked about the Philly game. He was fantastic in that game. Very efficient against the Pistons. Was the one, you know, silver lining of goodness in that Clippers collapse. He, like, was the only guy kind of making plays, even though he had a couple bad turnovers late. But he's, like, if they can get 90% of what we've seen in February in the playoffs, and, like, this is, things are looking up. Yeah, I'm looking at these numbers now, and Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, 15 Five and four, seventy percent true shooting. That's uh, obviously unsustainable, especially with you know shooting fifty-two percent from deep. But uh, if he's, I, I just feel like I don't know, like that contract. If he plays well in the playoffs, is suddenly very movable, and I would think pretty attractive to a team like the Pelicans. Is you know if they want to go the route that the Spurs went with a DeRozan type deal. Sure, exactly, and that is the. I guess the one tricky part there is that Hayward has the opt-out after the third year. Mm-hmm. So you only get one guaranteed year. I mean, whether he's going to take that money or just, you know, want to go to a better place um, in that kind of scenario, you don't know. But yeah, there's there's finally signs here that that's, this contract can turn into a positive value contract by the time July rolls around. And that could be very important to the self-explaining right and then i mean i guess the other question is let's say you're the celtics and let's say you're able to acquire let's say you you unload basically all your assets uh to get ad in a situation where Kyrie is leaves in free agency you unload all of them except tatum so you have ad tatum and let's say you re-sign terry rogier to a pretty yep. good contract. Yep. Is that team good enough to win the title? No. I mean, well, who's who's still here? Is Hayward and Horford here? Like, one of them is still here? Like... I would imagine that Horford would... Let's... I, this is tough. <laughs> right? Like, it's... it's a, that's. I mean, if Horford... Let's say Horford does a... Th- a three-year, sixty million. What What do you think? Yeah. He's three and sixty. At? I think three and sixty. I think is very 
realistic. Okay, so let's say they still have... Uh, hmm. Trying to figure out how... what Would they have to give up... What are the pieces? Could they keep smart in this situation? What are the pieces that they would have to absolutely I mean, give up to make money I, work? It's a kind of a situation where it, there's a lot of moving parts. Like you could conceivably, you know, move Rosier in a sign trade. Like you're you're losing one of Rosier and Smart, definitely. If you're keeping Tatum, Jalen's gone, and then yeah you could keep if you could keep smart obviously if you're willing to move Horford or Hayward and that like is enough to get the deal done like if you move one of those guys you don't have to move anyone else for the sake of money that's like kind of the the benefit of those guys um the question is like Horford obviously though you know has a say whether he has the opt-in Hayward the only truly piece that you could you know don't have to worry about the 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 semantics of right so I mean, let's a lot of balls in the air. It's a lot of balls. Know, it's like, really, do you think? Do you think they have a board right now? With like, how many different scenarios do you think they have on the whiteboard in the uh, the Celtics front office, probably like conference room, eighty seven or something? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I yeah. I mean, I'm, it's like I would imagine that in this scenario, man, Al Horford's so critical, but right. I mean, just watching that Sixers game, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, which feels... I mean, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about... We talked about Marcus Morris just literally lighting a fire after that Saturday night loss. Mm. Like, lighting everyone up to a level that... I mean, I'd seen before, but not with this team this year. Like, And then the team responding to it and coming out and winning two... Tough games without Kyrie. Yeah. Do, do we want to have the are the Celtics better without Kyrie conversation? <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be a quick one. No, but, I'm, uh, I'm just kidding. I yeah, that's really silly. Um, but no, I <laughs> like I thought like for them to win that game in Philly without him, like they had been garbage on the road this year, mm-hmm. like absolutely garbage, and then Philly. They they had it going in the second half for a while there. Like it looked like, uh oh, this is gonna be it. But they as we the two of us have talked about, like that's even after all those moves, that's a matchup that still favors the Celtics. Um from a head to head standpoint. Yeah. I think watching that game, my takeaways were like Boban played, which was so oh, dumb. Yes. And it's really weird to me that he's in the rotation. Um Yep. Like, I don't know if that's you know, uh, appeasing the fans who are thirsty for Boban. <laughs> but, like, he obviously he can't play in a playoff series, um, particularly against the Celtics when, you know, they have Tice and Horford and guys who can really stretch. Um, and then, like, Tobias Harris still just looks, you know, he looked pretty good against the Lakers in the, what was that, like, his first or second game? I don't really remember. But he looked pretty good in that game that I saw. And then he just wasn't, getting the shots um, that he normally does in the norm- in normal situations that he's he's uh, been accustomed to with the Clippers. So I think that's just another adjustment for him that he needs to to kind of figure out. And I don't know if, if he will, frankly, which is what we, we've already discussed, that uh, ad nauseum. But then I just think at the end of the day, the way the Celtics defend Ben Simmons, 
And the way, more importantly, the Celtics defend Joel Embiid is why the Celtics will beat the Sixers every single time, uh, almost regardless of of Kyrie being in that particular matchup. Right. And that's, I mean, that wasn't a, a huge development. Like, this is what we had seen last year, and nothing, none of their moves had changed anything on that front. But it was, like... They needed that game, I think, from just a psychological standpoint. Like, you could, if you watched, like, I rewatched that whole, you know, good amount of it. And even the assistant coaches were just absolutely fired up on the sidelines after, like, threes from Hayward or that, like, ridiculous dunk by Tatum. Like, they were doing fist pumps. Like, you could tell that game meant a lot after what, you know, those two collapses against the Clippers and the, the Lakers last week. So... Um, and now we, you know, we head into the second half here. We, we, we were talking about all this AD stuff and I feel just like so much of it, so much of these decisions is going to be dependent on what happens in these next three, four months. Like, yeah. So, I mean, the other variable, uh, that we were going to talk about is, uh, Kevin Durant and his free agency, which is, like at all star like it was basically i talked to a whole bunch of people just it was a very fun like water cooler question like what do you think is going to happen with kd um especially like the guys who cover the team and everyone is just like nicks like instantly (laughs) nobody is even close to thinking that he's going to stay with the warriors regardless of what they do in the postseason which is just so fascinating and Look, um, so yeah, we, we were just a little before we started to record and like my, I literally had a dream where Kevin Durant, some, whatever happens in the playoffs happens and uh, KD basically makes it known as soon as the season's over that he's he really wants to play for uh, the Boston Celtics and he wants to team up with Kyrie there. And so, you know, going through... The, the different scenarios with how that would be possible. Um, you know, it's really fun. It, like the, the real funny part would be just like how the Knicks have all this cap space and, you know, it would be really hilarious if uh, the Celtics then made a call to them being like, Hey, uh, you know, here's a bunch of, we like, we need to kind of clear some room maybe, but we, as you and I talked about before also, like, the situation would probably be very similar to what happened with Chris Paul a couple of years ago and the Rockets where he opts in and then there's a trade. Right. And friend of the podcast, Ryan Bernardoni, um, AKA danger cart, uh, reported a couple weeks ago that sources have told him that Durant at, at some point has expressed interest in joining the Celtics. Now that means a lot of things could mean a lot of things. It's obviously, months away but like the way he maps it out is that it would be an opt-in situation and then like you said you would probably you know the the warriors would have the choice of being like okay you can let them walk for nothing or you can get back uh al horford or gordon hayward yeah i think gordon hayward Um, well both of them would make sense with money but you would need horford to opt in obviously and right you need to opt in i would think that he would do that to go if the opting in would lead to the Warriors. Um, 
but no, it's a fascinating like just side subplot to all this. And I mean, you're again just from All Star Weekend from your observing down there. Like it seemed like Kyrie and Durant were spending a lot of time together. Like, and I guess they're best friends anyway. Well, that's like not a big deal. But like, what's the scuttlebutt down there in terms of Kyrie and like whether that's a package deal with them or not? Yeah, I mean, obviously they haven't. Uh, you know, I was I, what was really funny was this uh, quote about uh, from Joe Varden of the Athletic, where he talked to he basically told Kyrie about what AD said when AD, AD said that the Celtics were he never said the Celtics were not on his list, and Kyrie like basically said, uh, "Oh, that's interesting. I don't have a comment on that right now." Yeah, so, right. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like. I don't really know how to read this entirely, but it seems to me that like these guys, I don't know if they already have their minds made up about what they're going to do collectively. Uh, obviously, AD cannot decide what he's going to do because he is still under contract next season. Um, but you know, Kyrie and KD are in a situation that has been discussed at nauseum where they can go to the Knicks uh, and and see what happens there, and then potentially. The Knicks could, uh, the Knicks would have to obviously like win the lottery, which is probably you know the the odds there aren't super great after the the draft was reformed. Thirteen point five percent. Yeah. Um. So they could go there, and then you know they have package. They could package whatever DSJ and Knox and uh the the, the pick and. If that's number one, that's Zion, and that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty interesting package right there. That's, but it's just like we yeah, can't I mean, go too far in the weeds there because there's so many variables that probably will not strike where that make it possible. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, they they clearly like each other's company. They've said very positive things about each other publicly, and I guess it's just kind of a situation where. Uh, you know, AD, I mean, KD has said uh, that he doesn't, that he's going to take, so the, 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 the opt-in and trade thing that I would throw a little bit of water on is that KD has said publicly that his number one thing is making the most money because he has taken pay cuts in Golden right. State. So I would imagine that this with this contract, he opts out and then maxes himself for at least, I don't know, three years with an option or something like that. Right. Um, yeah, his option next year is only $31.5 million. So I assume he's able to, if he opts out, he's going to get, I don't know what his full max is, but it's got to be above $35 million at this point, given his experience. It is. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah, it is. Um, so so he, I would imagine that he's going to opt out, but who knows? I mean, the NBA is very unpredictable. Um Here's a side question okay. I have for you, just in terms of con- now that we're talking about contracts, and I think we've talked about it before. But Kyrie, what what kind of contract do you think he signs, like lengthwise? Fascinating question because I mean, <laughs> that's it. and how does that impact things if you're like Danny Ainge negotiating for Anthony Davis and Kyrie comes to you and says? Yeah, I'm coming back. I'll come back on a one, one and one. And so they just set themselves up to hit free agency together, Davis and Irving. Like you, you are 
sadly, from the Celtics perspective, you are at the mercy of the players if they want to do that. Um, right. He basically gets to say what he wants. I, I do think it would be pretty interesting if he did that just because historically players who, you know, he is a guard. He has had knee troubles. And, you know, I always thought that his public declaration at the beginning of the season that he would come back to the Celtics if they resigned him was basically to light a fire under the Celtics and be like, hey, I'm like, I'm getting that five year max because, mm-hmm. you know, we did. We have discussed before, uh, I don't think it's a question now necessarily, but we have discussed before whether or not the Celtics should give him the five-year max and whether or not he was worthy of it, because that is a lot of money um, and a pretty steep commitment. But I think he's proven that he's, in my opinion, he's proven it would be a no-brainer uh, to give him that deal. Um but I don't, I don't know. I, I, it would surprise me, I think, if he were to say, you know, the, give me a one-and-one. One. I think players like, you know, I could see him doing a three-plus-one, like a Paul George-type deal. Um, but then yep. again, Kyrie is, he's highly unpredictable, and he seems to really enjoy having his name in the news. And the, the easiest way to keep your name in the news is to be in trade rumors and free agency rumors constantly. <laughs> So I, I have no idea. I cannot make a prediction on this, but, uh, but what, what do you think is most likely to happen here? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of with you on that of like, from a, a make sense standpoint, like what, like what, what players are good enough to do like the one-on-one deals like LeBron, obviously Durant. It's a pretty short list. Like Steph, you would think Anthony Davis Kyrie's obviously a step below those guys and has a bunch of, you know, question marks. But I feel like this is going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how, with so many max level guys hitting the market this summer, how they all play it. If they all want to get the money locked in or if they would rather enjoy the freedom and flexibility of the short-term deals of options so they can you know, oh, let's try things out here, or, okay, yeah, the Celtics, you know, we went out, they went out, and say the Celtics go out in the conference finals, tough series against the Raptors, all in all, probably a disappointing season, but, you know, Payward wasn't fully there, so, yeah, I'm willing to give it one more chance, but I don't want to commit to this long-term yet. Like, I could totally see that from him. Yeah, you would think that Kyrie saw what, how chaotic it was in Cleveland when LeBron would do the one and ones repeatedly and yep. he would learn from that or at least not want to, you know, they obviously went to the finals every year, but that's because they had LeBron and, you know, like the, like Kyrie is not as good as LeBron and he never will be. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if he would want to go through that situation. It's just like, you can't, it's so difficult to hold your franchise hostage and then also win. Those two things are, you know, those two like situations really clash. And so if he's, if he's really committed to being this leader, uh, I don't know if a one in one or a pretty short term deal that kind of holds the franchise's feet to the fire when it's clear that they're, it's like, it's clear that they're committed to winning. They're, they're committed to spending money. 
they're committed to everything. It's not exactly the same situation that LeBron had with Dan Gilbert, uh, coming off a situation where he was in on Miami and they, you know, they uh, Mickey Anderson wasn't really wanting to pay Mike Miller, and that was you know, that was part of the reason why he wanted to leave there. Like the Celtics are a committed organization, their entire. Yeah, like it's funny. Like the Celtics, every decision they make is to win a championship and to win to build a, a sustainable, um, a sustainable team that can compete for championships over and over and over again. That's like every move that they make. That's that's the goal. Whereas, like, it's I just compare it real quick to like this is kind of a tangent, but comparing it to the Lakers, where like every move they make is to what like uh, have your name in the news and sell t- sell tickets and. I, I, I and like ent- increase your your entertainment value like so I don't know if you're like if you're trying to win like just resign with the Celtics and you're probably in good hands. Yeah, I mean, as far as for all these guys, I mean, you're not gonna have a better chance to sign up a winner than the Celtics. Like no other contenders are gonna have cap, you know, the cap room to sign. The guys, unless again they think that, you know, if the Knicks get a number one pick or one other these teams get a number one pick of a ton of cap room and then just realizing, okay, we're going to trade that for a star and then try to sign two max guys with that star or like another max guy and think they're going to be able to jump in right away. But I don't think most teams are going to do that. But it will be curious, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in Golden State. Like again, assuming Durant leaves, like how much that you know, emboldens other teams to kind of roll the dice more and chase the title. And then even going back to AD, like how many of these teams would take a risk on a rental for one year of AD because they think that it would make them, you know, the the top contender if Durant, assuming again, Durant leaves. Yeah. I like, it's, it's all just like so fascinating and, I think like there's there's other teams out there that could really make like get pretty spicy here like the Clippers we haven't mentioned them yet I think they're a really intriguing dark horse with like the Jerry West factor the, all the assets that they have the cap space do they have enough though like they got a they got a lot like I I understand why Davis would want to go there but are they going to be able to outbid the the Celtics or the Lakers like they have like they have the Miami pick. They have, you know, Shea Gildress, Shea Gildress, like Shamit, Harrell on one more year. Like, is that enough? Like, it's again, it's it's not a bad package. I just don't know. It's it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of you know limited upside guys. I feel yeah. Like. I mean, if they miss, oh, well, I like I like Shea Gildress, but he's not Tatum. But right. But I will say, like, you know, if they miss the playoffs this year. You have your own pick. You have the Miami pick. You you have all your future picks. Like it's uh, I don't know. They have they have interesting things. I know their future picks aren't as they aren't, aren't right, as that's a attractive. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's it, it, as Ad said, all twenty nine like, teams. There uh, he's looking at everybody. So you know, hey, there's really no like, threat in uh, <laughs> in uh, you know, giving up everything for him. He's clearly going to commit who, to whoever. To whoever trades for him. Denver, I feel like, is one team that could actually do it. I don't know why they would. I would, yeah. But I, they, are you, you mean like Jokic? Who, who? 
No, like not not Jokic. Like like they've had a thousand good guards. Yeah. Young good guards under long term deals. Yeah, they could have uh they could have and... drafted Jamal Murray, but they didn't. Right. <laughs> um but yeah, like there it feels like a pretty finite pool. Like does does Toronto get involved if Kawhi stays? Like that's again a whole different dynamic. You know, you can you obviously have a lot of young talent there that you could you can move. I think I like um, uh, the Lakers' deal over what the Toronto Raptors can offer. Like, yeah, really? I mean, so I, like... I like Ingram. I think Ingram's the best asset out of all those players. Uh, out of Siakam, Ananobi, Ball, mm-hmm. Kuzma. Um, by the way, it was really funny during the Rising Stars Challenge or whatever it's called. Uh, Kuzma... Kuzma's MVP when it was clear that uh, Tatum Tatum was really gunning for it, and uh, it was yep. very it was comical <laughs> to watch that in person, especially with Kyrie. Kyrie was really coaching. I was watching him the whole game, like pretty intently, and he was like up up walking along the sidelines, screaming like actions, and it was it was hilarious. Well, it's good to see him moving so well <laughs> after missing Wednesday's. My game. dad was not my dad was not happy with that. By the way. No, I mean, I don't blame the people that are not happy with that. Like, I'm, it's hard to get worked up about it. Like, there was the, like, you know, 40 or more days of rest after Wednesday. And they, I mean, I would, I would hope that the fact that the Celtics won those games made it a lot easier for people to swallow. Um, But if, like, and I hope that Kyrie would have had the self-awareness not to play in those games of, like, they had entered the All Star break on a four game losing streak. Yeah. But I don't know. But maybe not. Well, if like, I work, I mean, you, the whole thing is know. like, like we cover the league. We know that, you know, guys sit some time when, you know, it's not. Injuries are a little exaggerated sometimes. I mean, this is, this is the long regular season where it, it sucks to say this, but like a game in uh, February is against the Clippers is kind of, I don't want to say meaningless, but you know, like sometimes you just don't want to risk it. Load management. That's like the big theme of this season and is increasingly uh, a talking point as we, as teams like, you know, get deeper into analytics and health biomechanics and all that. Um, So I don't know. I was trying to explain to my dad why it's not that big of a deal, but he, he, (laughs) he, not really. He, uh, he was, very upset that Kyrie showed no limp when he was playing also uh, yeah. in the All-Star mm-hmm. game, which I was like, yeah, he's not going to be limping around the floor. <laughs> but but also, like, if you're Kyrie, it's like, you know, you only get so many All-Star games, and they're, they're probably super fun to play in. So, like, if I was him, I'd, I'd also do whatever I could to play in the All-Star game. Right. So, yeah, like, it's a situation where, yeah, the maybe, like you said, you're, you have 82 regular season games times whatever 15 in your career and then you have probably maybe 10 all-star games in your career so it's uh whatever it's like once they win those games it's like whatever if he's clear to play he's gonna play and you know this way you can kind of escape the the uh criticism for most people but there are enough people out there like your dad understandably (laughs) so that are kind of like this is a little a little bizarre here um, how's this team going to look to you just to wrap things up 
pretty important stretch here out of the gate. At at Milwaukee. Ooh, that's gonna be a fun game. At Toronto on Tuesday. Um and then a West Coast trip, obviously, pretty shortly thereafter. So they're they got their work cut out for them here. Um even to secure the three seed. I'm trying to look here. Okay, so they have a back to back against I'm trying to look at the back to backs here. Back to back against yeah, they Portland. Portland. That's not Sacram- at Sacramento is no cakewalk anymore. Nope. Uh, the Spurs at home, and yep. at Brooklyn, which is also no longer a cakewalk. That's pretty interesting. Those are all going to be tough games. Um, we look at the schedule overall here. <sighs> yeah. Do you feel like they have turned? Do you like how much do you feel like? That win in Philly was it? Was that a turning point for them in terms of just like having a miserable performance and then coming back and like fighting through adversity and you know? I think that there were themselves. some really interesting moments in that game where I think Zach Lowe made this point on a recent podcast where the Celtics are playing with such intensity in these games and really. Uh, you know, going 115% on every possession. And, you know, you saw Al Horford early in that game. That was a game where he lost his shit early, right? Yeah. He was called for some right. some like kind of phantom foul, borderline whistle yep. early on against Embiid, and he, like, lost his mind. Uh, so, like, I get that point, and in the playoffs, we'll see how much more room they have to to uh, how, how, like how high their ceiling really is. Uh, because that was a very... I mean, it's so funny, like, all these games, the Celtics win, but they are very, very close. And, like, Hayward was drilling threes. Like, I don't know if he, he's, he's going to... I think it was, like, seven yeah, eight or he was like drilling. That. And a lot of them were... Some of them were open. Some of them weren't easy. So, I don't... It's just, like, I, I don't know. It's tough to say, but... Um, the Celtics do have that, like, I, I, I can't, it's so, so hard to make like a firm black and white statement here. Um, <laughs> well, here's the, here's the numbers in their schedule for the rest of the way. 10 home, 14 away. You're playing 14 of your 24 games are against teams above 500. And out of that 19, of 24 are against teams that are currently fighting for a playoff spot. So obviously you have a lot of like not so great East teams, but they're still going to be, they're not going to be tanking or at least probably won't be maybe by the time they see them, they will be, but it's, it's one of the toughest schedules left amongst the East contenders. So like, I mean, have you kissed They're five and a half back behind the Raptors? I imagine you know, you're not going to make up that gap. Like, barring some kind of ridiculous run or a Toronto injury, like that's not happening. And then, so you just, are you, how much are you worried about getting to the three seed or do you not even care if you play the Pacers in the first round in terms of like the, the risk reward of, of going for it versus resting guys down the stretch and maybe, you know, making sure you're at full speed for the playoffs. I mean, I don't, I mean, personally, I I think this team should be in a position where they just are trying to win every game. That's I want to mm-hmm. say that, but at the same time, I also want to say that 
being the three seed is preferable because I don't want any part of the Bucks, and we'll see how how they play against them. Uh, whenever they play net, was that like Thursday? Thursday. We'll see how that game yep. goes. It's also just like what a whatever game. Um, regular season it, it is important, but it's also like it's the regular season. Um, I think that the Bucks are second best team in the NBA, uh, behind the Warriors, and they're exceptional. And we'll see how Miritich fits in there, but I, I just would want to avoid them as long as possible if I were the Celtics. So that ideally you get the three. And, you know, I think, I don't know, the Raptors are kind of a funky team. And it's so funny, like, if you look at the all the, there's a lot of advanced stats that are just really favorable to the Celtics, despite the, the narrative being so negative for the, you know, this basically this entire season. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I think they can beat the Raptors for sure in a seven game series, even with Marcus all there. Um, but the Bucks just really scare me. So I would rather face the Bucks after they have to face the Sixers, even though I think that the Bucks, like that's a great matchup for the Bucks and they shouldn't have any difficulty, but that's like, that's. I think that that's the ideal situation for, for this, for the Celtics. Yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, I think Toronto, I'm not convinced. It's a coin flip for me right now, Toronto or Milwaukee. You're like, a Buck skeptic. Like, tr- I'm a, like, I think they're really good, but I'm still, I'm not, I think Toronto's really good too. Like, I think you match up better with Milwaukee than Toronto. Um, but again, you don't know what, like Toronto's just been a house of horrors for this team, like playing up there. Like I don't think they've won up there in like three years. Um, how much that will matter in the playoffs, we don't know. There's obviously a lot of baggage Toronto has going into the postseason, but they've traded a lot of that baggage away. So I don't know. This is going to be. I mean, it's going to be hard either way. You're not going to. You're playing one of these two teams in the second round. Is the bottom line. Like in that that that's that's going to be hard. Like you just need to be playing well is like to have a chance and however they want to set it up to do that. Like that's the most important thing. Like it's, it's a little bit 2010 esque Celtics where they come in with the four seed. Obviously this team is far better record wise. than that was by the time that regular season ended, but they kind of cut their house in order for the regular season and then made that huge run to the finals. So We'll see if uh, this team can follow suit here. They obviously have a lot of potential upside left to hit. Are we bypassing that. the first round matchups at all? Is there any conceivable possibility where a team like the Brooklyn Nets upsets one of these teams at the top? I think Brooklyn's really good. I think, yeah, I mean, I think Brooklyn could beat like Indy, I feel like. I would not be surprised if I they do Brooklyn that. I think Brooklyn could also beat um, the Sixers. You think they'd be the Sixers? That would be pretty. And wild. I think they would be. But, I really think they would be competitive against the Raptors. I really do. I just think. Yeah, the, I think the I Bucks are them... just. I I really am. But I, I'm obviously higher than you. But I do think the Nets are a team that, you know, you're looking down here. You have Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, Orlando. Like none of those teams right. are. They're just not good at all. 
the Nets, though, are really feisty. They just got Karis LeVert back. He's working his way back into the lineup. They'll get Spencer Dinwiddie back. Like, that team is going to be... I mean, Russell's just like a maestro. I mean, that team is... That team is good. It's good. It's a good team. Right. Like, would you rather play that team or the Pacers? I would rather play the, the Pacers in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. I just think star power mean. matters. Like, like uh, D'Angelo Russell hits shots that are contested really tough. He hits the shots that you force him to, to like, to take, if that makes any sense. Like, the, the, the Pacers don't have anyone who can hit shots that you're forcing them to take. Yeah. They'd really miss Oladipo, or they will miss Oladipo. Right. No, I wonder. I do wonder what, what Russell will look like when the, the defense gets amped up more in the playoffs, and he just, like, I feel like some five for 22 nights are in the cards. Um, but like you said, he also has the capability of hitting those shots, which is scary. Because um, they have so many other weapons around him, too. That, Joe Harris, best shooter alive. <laughs> hey, that's a... I think Cav, Cavs had him. Cavs let him go. Yeah, devastating. Like two or three years ago. I'm not, Joe, uh, Joe Harris was on my flight uh, to All-Star. Yeah. Sat in the front row. Did you say, did I say did hi? I did not say hi. But I was in, I wanted to ask him... Um, why the hell he was flying out of out of uh, out of New York? Because the night before they had a triple overtime game in Cleveland, that went really late. I was like, uh, why don't you just you know well, take that private jet? Right. I guess they they he wanted to get some stuff at yeah, home first. Maybe. Well, it's all priming up to be a pretty fun second half here. When I say second half, it's like whatever twenty five games left, but um. Subplots everywhere. The The actual game on the floor is taking a backseat. <laughs> but it's still pretty important in terms of what's going to mm-hmm. happen in the offseason. So we'll be back uh, at full strength next week. Um, Rich did not check in with his statement in time, unfortunately. Oh. So we're going to go official no comment here. But um, we'll have to have him explain himself uh, next week. And uh, any closing words for you uh, from All-Star? Closing, closing anecdote from All-Star uh, weekend? You're putting me on the spot. Um, no, I will say I just – I'm sorry, but my my number one, like, memory will pro- – well, not my number one memory. My number one memory that I'm willing to say publicly is <laughs> that the crowd was just so bad. And I, I think that that is a problem. It was like, it wasn't fun. It was like the dunk contest was silent. Like it was like a funeral. Even when great dunks were happening. Uh, I just, yeah. hey, I don't know. Watching the dunk contest in person. I will say next, this dunk contest needs a star, at least one. And I really hope Giannis is in it next year. And people aren't afraid to compete in it because, well, Zion's probably going to be in it too, which will be fun. But that's basically all I got to say about the All-Star weekend. Where's author next year? Chicago. 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 That'll, be, that'll be better. More rabid fan base. Hopefully. We'll lead to hopefully more entertainment. Hopefully. And maybe Zion will be playing for the hometown oh, team. We'll see. Spicy. Spicy. All right. We will hopefully see something more interesting then for now. Uh, we will catch you guys next week.